Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, after he'd been crucified, he'd rose from the dead, and he joined a couple of the disciples, and they're walking along. And he goes, why are you guys so sad? They looked at Jesus, and they said, are you the only one that hasn't heard the events that has happened in this city the last few days? And they began to tell him about how Jesus had been crucified and, and everything like that. Uh, and, and Jesus said, what things? And, and, they, they, and so they began to tell him about all these things. And so Jesus, it said, would have went farther, but they begged him to come in with them. And so as he sat down, he broke bread with them. And it says, when he broke the bread, they recognized who he was and he vanished out of their sight. But Jesus, it says, starting with the Old Testament, reasoned with them, with the prophets, and showed them uh, those things concerning the Son of Man. Friends, I'll tell you something. When, when Messiah comes, even as it's, all, it's been said, even the space between the words will make sense. There's a lot of things that we don't yet have found. And every once in a while, when you're reading the Old Testament, you'll see something that's a picture of Jesus. And so that's kind of exciting to me because you might be the only one that's ever found that. So I I think that's kind of neat how the Holy Spirit does it. But the Bible says that Jesus, as he walked along and he comforted these disciples' heart, he said, beginning with the Old Testament, he, he, he counseled with them all the scriptures concerning Jesus and the Messiah and who he was. Now, by the way, just real fast, people say, why didn't Jesus, why wasn't Jesus recognized by the disciples? In fact, We remember that Jesus appeared along the Sea of Galilee and those disciples couldn't recognize him either. And and, uh, a lot of people say, well, Jesus kind of takes on different forms. One time it's Mohammed, the next time it's Buddha. No, no, wrong. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about there is we get a clue from Thomas. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I put the fingers in the holes in his hands and thrust my hand inside. Well, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He had to be from Missouri or something. Uh, the show me state. So, so again, he, he, goes, he goes there and we remember Jesus appears in the upper room and Jesus reaches his hands out and Thomas puts the whole, his fingers in the holes in his hands. Now, now, friends, one of the things that's interesting is when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he did not get rid of those holes and probably nor the scarring nor the beating. The Bible says that Jesus was, was, was blindfolded and then beaten and then a crown of thorns was shoved on his head. Then we remember that he was whipped. We don't know how many times. Some people say 39 times, but that's a Jewish law. But he wasn't beaten by Jews. He was beaten by the Romans. We don't know how many times he could have been beaten. But usually, most people did not survive the scourging. In the, in the movie Jesus, uh, uh, The Passion, uh, we remember uh, Jim Cavaro, or whatever his name is, who played, who started, played Jesus there. He, he, they said that he had a steel plate on his back. And one time, that, that, as they were filming it, something went wrong, and the coat of nine tails wrapped around the steel plate and got into his stomach. And he said that one time was enough to send him crawling. Jesus was beaten wide open. So we don't know. So all the disfiguration, the swelling, the skin being torn open, no wonder they didn't recognize him. 
And I believe that when we see him in heaven someday, friends, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see the, the, um, uh, bookstore Jesus that oftentimes we, we think of, but it's interesting in revelation chapter five, it says as a lamb that had been slain steps out to take the scroll. Now, again, uh, Jesus, I believe, is going to be pretty marred up. But we're going to get to see what Jesus went through so that you and me uh, could go to heaven someday. So I believe, again, that, that as you look at this, Ab, uh, 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 Joab says, I, I, can't, I can't stand this anymore. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm leaving. So he went, got three spears, shoved them through Absalom's heart. And so um, ten young men who bore Joab's armor, surrounded Absalom, and struck and killed him. Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods, and laid a very heavy, large heap of stones over him, and all of Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself a pillar for himself. People that are kind of arrogant do those things, don't they? I love me. You know, somebody won't erect a memorial in my name, I'll make one myself. Now if you remember, if you remember, who else did this? Saul did it too. We remember when he came back from a battle, he, he did it as well. So these guys kind of get more about themselves. They kind of forget, you know. Hey, you know, it's kind of weird. And, and, and friends, this, this is what we've been talking about before. You know, again, always be more, more, suspicious, uh, more suspicious of your successes than your failures. Your failures drive you to your knees. Your successes blow your head up. And your ears start dragging on doors when you walk through. Because your head's all swollen up. You know, and we, we start thinking we're something because we've, because we've been blessed by God. You see, we, we sometimes think it's us. But you know, it's God that does it in our lives. And it's God did it in Saul's life. God uh, was the one that, that um, blesses people. But what happens is we begin to think we're the reason for the season. I want to see my name in lights. They don't realize, man, you're a heart attack away from leaving it all. So again, just as Saul made that same mistake, well, we find Absalom here said in his lifetime he had taken up and set a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. Now some people over in Israel today, there's a place, there's a kind of a a building-looking thing, and and some people say that's Absalom's tomb. I, I don't know if that's true. Um, it's just down at the, uh, really just down from the Mount of Olives. Uh, and, um, anyway, uh, we don't know for sure if that is or not, but very old, uh, uh, building. But, uh, when it says there to this day, now some people have asked this question before you come across other places in the scripture, uh, even in the old Testament where they piled a pile of rocks up and it's there to this day. And people go, well, I went over there. I didn't see it. Well, it means to the day of the writing of the book. Okay. And, and we know that through different times, uh, the Bible was written. And so, uh, it, it, you know, at the time of the writing, it was there. Now, maybe even towards the end of the Bible, it wasn't there. But the thing is, at the time when it was written, it was there. So when it says there to this day, that means the time of this writing. And so it says um, that it was called uh, Absalom's Monument. 
And Ahamaz said, let me run now and take the news to the king how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, you shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news on another day. But today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, go tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. Now Ahamaz said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, let me run. It's kind of funny. This guy just says, I want to be a messenger. I want to run. But you don't have a message. I don't care. I want to run. Now, this is weird. I want to run. Don't have a message, but I want to run. The guy was in some new weight loss program or something. But anyway, (laughs) let me run. So so Joab said to him, run. (laughs) Then Amaz ran the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. This guy really liked to run. Now, maybe this guy, you know, this other guy was a good runner too, but he outran him. Now, this is a problem because you've got two runners, both messengers. Normally, uh, Amhaz was, was the guy that usually brought messages to David. And so uh, this is not uncommon, but the problem is he didn't have a message. So, Verse 24, David was setting between the two gates and the watchman went up on the roof over the gate over to the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked and there was a man running alone. And the watchman cried out and told the king, the king said, if he's alone, there is news from his mouth. He came rapidly and drew near. The watchman saw another man running and the watchman called to The gatekeeper and said, there is another man running alone. And the king said, he also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahamaz. Uh, And the king said, he's a good man and he comes with good news. And Ahamaz called out and said to the king, all is well. Now, now, it wasn't. This is one of the things, if you've been coming on Wednesday night any length of time, you know David has gotten almost an endless stream of misinformation. Now, now what's, what's difficult sometimes is when you try to make decisions based upon bad information. And, and that's why, I, I, again, friends, you need to be diligent concerning what you hear from other people to make sure that what you're hearing is really true. Proverbs says a fool believes one side of a story. So if you hear something about somebody, you need to go find the other side of the story. Don't just say, oh, really? And then start spreading gossip. You need to find the other side. We remember that um, the, the story came to King David. That Absalom has killed all your sons, David. David tore his clothes. It wasn't uncommon in those days for, for, for a king's son to, to wipe out anybody that could possibly be a threat. Well, then after David got all freaked out and tore all his clothes, he went through, must have went through a lot of clothes because of bad information. But anyway, they came and said, oh, by the way, he didn't kill all your sons. He just killed his half-brother, the one that raped your, his, uh, his sister. 
No, it brought a little good news, but still, he still had a murder in the family going on here. Well, well, you, you begin to understand here that David gets bad news all the time. We remember, we remember the, the, a story about, about um, Mesibibeth. Mesibibeth was the last living relative of Saul. And we remember Ziba came to him and said, said um, uh, you know, uh, now, David, that you're running and you're leaving, I- I'm going to bring you this present here. He goes, well, where's Mesibibeth? He goes, Mesibibeth said that, that now uh, uh, he's going to be returned back to the throne because you stole it from him. But Mesibibeth never said that. David just got angry and said, okay, everything that Mesibibeth has is now yours, Ziba. But Mesibibeth never did that. Ziba was the bad guy. And David did not seek it out to find out if it was true. Now, I got to tell you, David was running for his life, too, that night. But nevertheless, when you, when you get into information that forces decisions in your life, you better get as much information as you can before you do that. And it doesn't matter who tells you. You get all the information. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a, for a, tremendous, for a tremendous bunch of misguided calculations. And, and the result of that is the life you live. So, so you need to really do your research. You say, but Mike, that takes time, and I'm a busy person. I'd rather just believe the gossip. My mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Well, friends, that's just goofy. And there's a lot of goofy people out there, and they have agendas. And I'll tell you something. Anytime anybody ever brings you gossip where they are the chief recipient of the story that's told by discrediting somebody else, you can pretty much know that there's a dark motive behind what they're doing. And that's just the way it is. You know, in other words, they're not an um, unbiased uh, thing. Well, again, we find here, David has brought bad news. All is well. It wasn't all well. Well, let's look. He says, all is well, verse 28. Then he bowed himself and said, Blessed is the Lord God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand up against my Lord the King. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Amahaz said, when Joab sent the king's servant to me uh, and your servant, it was in a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. (laughs) I don't know. I just wanted to run. (laughs) This is kind of funny. You know, I just want to go. But don't you need a message when you go? (laughs) Well, you'd think so. Have you ever gotten a phone call like that? They really don't have anything they want to talk about. Just, how are you? Well, I understand that. Sometimes it's nice to stay in touch with somebody. But you know, again, it's something here that I believe there's people today that are like that. I I think they run. They run well, but they don't have a message. So uh, again, get the message down. I I believe Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, the different Bible studies going on around here, I I think that helps sharpen our message. And that way, when we run, we have a message that we can bring people, uh, you know, other than some kind of be warm and be fed, you know, kind of thing, you know. It's dangerous when, when, when we, we, we give people false comfort, you know, they're on their way to hell and by golly, we'll give you some buggy springs to smooth out the ride. I don't want to do that. You want to tell them, hey, you're on the wrong road. And as a matter of fact, the other road may be a little bumpier, but at least you'll get where you're going. But where you're going 
is going to lead to destruction. See, again, the message, friends, is important. And again, the messenger is important, but the message is important as well. This particular place, we find that there wasn't a message. Well, the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And just then the Cushite came. And the Cushite said, there is good news, my lord the king, for the Lord has avenged you of this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? (laughs) Yeah, safe in the grave. I mean, no, I mean, um, and the Cushite answered, may the, well, he almost says this, may the enemies of my lord the king and all those who rise against you to do your, do you harm be as that young man is. Then the king was deeply moved and went to his chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, O my son Absalom, my son Absalom, Absalom, if only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. You see, David blamed himself for what he did. You know, I'm sure that when he walked out on the uh, palace roof that day and saw Bathsheba taking a bath, it looked pretty good at the time. But you know, friends, the, the fullness of sin, when it finally comes to fruition, is, is a very hard thing. And you know, maybe it's all fun and games and partying down is great until you go to the doctor because you're not feeling well and the guy says, you're in advanced stages of AIDS. Well, AIDS, I didn't even know. I, 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 you know and you start thinking about it. Or somebody says, you know, all that partying you've been doing, well, we got to tell you, you got liver cancer. You know, uh, you know all that dope you've been smoking. You got lung cancer. You, you, you know, um, you know that other night that you went out and, and uh, went partying and got drunk and hit a tree. Well, we're going to have to amputate your arm. People say, well, that doesn't really happen. Oh yeah, read the read the uh, admittances in the hospital. Or read the obituary column, friends. I'll tell you, life is real, and 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 it doesn't and it's not kind. And, and you know, the thing is, that's why I believe the Bible says be instant in season and out of season. Do you know why each day presents enough problems in itself for me to go through it stoned is a pretty scary thing. And so, you know, we, we think about this and we think, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'll tell you something that's really tragic. Um, the flower power generation, the late 60s, early 70s, so many people were abusing drugs and the ones that are still alive today, now they say they're paying tremendous health problems, uh, health uh, costs and problems because of the reckless lifestyle that they lived. And they said, you know, well, at the time it all seemed okay. But you see, again, it catches up. David now has seen the catch-up of what he did. And now Absalom, his, his firstborn son, the one that really would probably have taken over the kingdom Had he not rebelled against his father, he would have actually probably been the next king for every intent and purpose from what we get from the scripture. But because he rebelled against his dad and because David could not manage his home, now his firstborn son is dead. Now, again, you probably think about that for a minute. And some of you that have kids and you think about when you bring them home from the hospital and they keep you awake all night and they sleep in the drawer because you didn't know they were going to come that fast. And so you hollowed out a drawer where your socks used to be. And when I got hauled home from the hospital, I spent my first few days in a drawer. Mike in a drawer, kind of a new thing. But anyway, um, but I, 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 I lived in a drawer for a while. And, and uh, 
you know, what I'm saying is that, is that you, you hold them and, they, they, you know, they kind of give you that goofy little toothless smile and, and, and then to realize they're dead. And you can see the grief and, and then David blaming himself. Friends, again, sin, the Bible says, is fun for a season. And then there's a price to pay. Again, Absalom represents, I believe, our rebellion. And as he hung off the tree, and as Jesus hung off a tree for our rebellion, I just invite you to know that there's healing in Christ. There's forgiveness in Jesus. You start over with him. You see, that's one of the reasons why I believe that God intervenes in our life. And you know what? Thank God, God does intervene in our life. Friends, if we had to pay for all the sins that we've done, it'd kill us all. And so I, I thank God for his mercy. And, and, and if you've ever done something and you didn't get clobbered, let me tell you something. You didn't get away with it. What you experienced was God's love and mercy in your life. And friends, don't ever take that for granted. Don't just say, well, I didn't get caught that time. I'll do it again. Don't ever take the mercy of God as God's carelessness or that he doesn't see what you're doing. Because that, that's a fallacy, friends. The Bible, again, God deals with us as his children. And does moms and dads have mercy on their kids? <laughs> you bet. Boy, I think about some of the scrapping me and my sister used to do. I remember my dad decided to do something really nice. My mom was working at night. My dad decided to take me and my sister out to get an ice cream cone. I remember that it was a, a little ice cream stand on Whittier Boulevard between uh, Broadway and between Norwalk Boulevard. If anybody knows where that is, it was Frosty Freeze. And I remember that we were in the car. We had a station wagon. And I was in the back or something, and she was up in the front with my dad, and she said something to me, and I got mad, and I threw my ice cream cone at her <laughs> in the car. Well, it hit her and then hit the windshield, and it went all over everything. And when I saw what I did, I go, I'm dead. <laughs> this is how you die. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is all over. And I looked at my dad because I did not know what he was going to do. Because I, I, I've seen, my dad didn't get mad very often. When he did, you just couldn't run fast enough. But, um, but I remember, I remember looking at him and he just broke out in the biggest laugh. Everything was such a big mess. I mean, there was just no way around it. And he looks at me, he goes, okay guys, let's clean it up. And I remember as I was cleaning that up, going, thank you God. Thank you God. Because I, 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 and plus I wrecked a perfectly good ice cream cone. That was what was the worst thing about it. But the thing is, is that, is that I remember my dad had mercy on me. Now, if I was to throw another ice cream cone in the car, I don't know if my dad would have smiled that time. But friends, just as our Father in Heaven has mercy on us, our earthly fathers have mercy on us. We never want to take that as God doesn't care or sees it lightly, but that He extended to you His grace and His love. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. It's time.